Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Loopcast. So today I'm very happy to have Abu Bakr al-Shamahi, sorry, excuse me, and he is here to talk about the current situation in Yemen. And as we all know, if you've turned on the news, there's so much going on in Yemen at the moment. Of course, we've had things in the past that have sort of revved this up. But we want to look at the situation. So first of all, thank you for coming on the show, Abu Bakr. Pleasure. Well, why don't you describe for us the current situation that's been going on? As I said, this is sort of something that has built up in the last couple of months. So maybe you could describe for our listeners what has happened to get us to this point. Okay, well... um I mean, you say you say the last couple of months. This this I guess would be something that has been going on or has been building up for years now. Especially if we're looking at the the emergence of the Houthi movement. Um, and I think, uh, having said that, now I do have to go back to the the kind of the emergence of this movement. Uh, so this rebel group that has really hit the headlines and and who a lot of the international media have been describing as the group that have taken over Yemen or taken over significant uh, chunks of the country. Uh, they emerged in in the late 90s as a Zaydi revivalist group. Now, Zaydi Islam is uh, a, a sect of Shia Islam that exists solely in Yemen. It exists solely in northern Yemen. Uh, but in effect, it's quite close to Sunni Islam. So sectarian differences haven't been particularly huge or prominent in Yemeni society, especially over the last few decades. But the Houthis emerged... Um, uh, they they say that they were responding to um, uh, to the victimization to, to the victimization of, of, of Zaydis and to the, the disenfranchisement of, of Zaydis in uh, in in Yemen in Yemeni society. Whether that's right or wrong, that that was one of their reasons for their emergence. And also anti-Americanism, anti-imperialism, um, and the idea that the Yemeni president at the time, Ali Abdullah Saleh, who ruled from 1977. Uh, till 2011 was this American stooge, uh, and so they tie into the broader um, pro-Iranian uh, quote-unquote resistance axis in the Middle East. Um, so they they emerged in the late 90s. By 2004, the first war with the central government starts, and they have six wars with the central government, with the government of Ali Abdullah Saleh between 2004 and 2010. 2011 happens, and we have the the what was called at the time the revolution, and, and I guess now would be uh, more, more um, appropriate to call it an uprising uh, against the former president, Ali Abdullah Saleh, which eventually forced him uh, to, to, to step down his deputy assumed power. Um, in the intervening years, what we've seen is this power, power vacuum that has emerged in Yemen. Saleh, a man who dominated the country for 33 years, suddenly isn't in his... In, in charge. He's not officially president anymore. Um, yet at the same time, you don't suddenly remove someone who's been in power for 33 years um, from from the seat of, uh, of power and expect him to, to go away quietly, especially in the Arab world. Um, he wasn't imprisoned. He wasn't exiled. 
uh, he remained in the capital and he re remained in politics. Uh, and he has effectively, over the last four years, been playing behind the scenes and been engineering various different ways to, to, to get his, perhaps his son, uh, back in charge. And one of these ways was to ally with the Houthi movement, which is quite surprising considering that they were opponents um, and fought several conflicts against each other. Yet this is uh, one of the interesting ways Yemen, Yemeni politics works. And one of the ways that Ali Abdullah Saleh described um, his, his manner of ruling Yemen, you know, his manner of ruling Yemen was always to, um, uh, to play off different sides against each other. And I guess this was another way of doing that, was to, it was to simply, um, uh, uh, simply uh, use the Houthis as, as partners um, against new foes that he, he saw emerging. So that's what we've seen now. Um, the president, Abdurrahbu Mansour Hadi, was essentially quite um, illegitimate in that he was elected in a one-man uh, one election, um, which um, doesn't really confirm much legitimacy uh, on him as a, as a president, and he doesn't have much of a support base in Yemen. And... Um, the Houthis have taken advantage of that and Ali Abdullah Saleh has, has uh, took advantage of that to um, engineer a, a coup uh, in September uh, where the Houthis entered the capital without much resistance from the army, who many of whom were under the control of Ali Abdullah Saleh. Um, and uh, eventually Hadi was forced to flee to Aden and then flee to Saudi Arabia. Um, and then the, the Saudi Arabians decided that they they uh, had to get involved. Uh, otherwise, the the fear of this Iranian uh, Iranian stranglehold on the country to the south uh, south of their border, a country they've always regarded as their backyard, um, would would come into reality. And just for our listeners, I, I was so excited about getting into this talk that I forgot to let everyone know your background. So, yes, Abu Bakr yes, al-Shamahi is a British Yemeni journalist, and at the moment he works for Al-Arabi Al-Jadid, English, and he has also had a lot of his work featured in BBC News, Al Jazeera English, as well as The Guardian, to name a few. So he's spent a lot of time looking at this situation. He's spent time in Yemen, so he's the perfect guest to talk about this. So everything you've just described at the starting of this talk really seems like the political system of Yemen is completely falling apart if we could maybe even say that it already has. I mean, what does that mean right now for the country? The situation is very volatile. Well, it's it's um, it's anarchy on, on one one level because what you have now is we're not just talking about the Houthis and uh, Houthis and Saleh on one side and and President Hadi and the Saudis on the other side. There are multiple different forces on the ground in Yemen, multiple different militia forces. You've got to remember that Yemen. Um, is one of the most weaponized societies on earth. I think it's the uh, the second highest number of weapons per person uh, in the world, following the United States. Funny enough, um, and so you have groups like Al Qaeda who exist. You have um, tribal groups that are very strong and very powerful and are able to flex their muscles on the ground. You have a secessionist movement in the south of the country um, that reflects the the pre nineteen ninety. Um, uh, division between North and South Yemen, and they wish uh, to re-establish the South Yemeni state. So you have all these different groups, and the problem that the Saudi um, intervention in Yemen has now created is, um, is uh, in effect, uh, I, for one, don't see how uh, Yemen re-emerges um, from this. 
as a unified state, um, free from conflict. I see this now uh, turning into a protracted conflict, even if there is some sort of uh, negotiated settlement um, in the next couple of weeks even. Um, I don't think it can last uh, because of the nature of the, the, the players involved, because of the way uh, Saudi Arabia have essentially put their cards on the table and, and will not be willing uh, for the Houthis uh, to have a, a role or much of a, a dominant role in the, in the Yemeni government. Um, so it's, it's difficult really to see any positive uh, outcome for Yemen, um, especially not in the next couple of years at least. And I think a number of people in the press have been alluding to this becoming a sectarian conflict. We hear that, of course, with Iraq all the time. What are your thoughts on this? Because, as you said, there are all these different actors vying for a position in the country, a power position. So where does that put this as far as all of the different minorities, different religious groups and sects in in Yemen? I mean, how is this going to play out? Well, I, I think the, the problem <clears throat> with covering Yemen um, has been that it's, as you say, it's a difficult country to understand. It's a country that, that many observers uh, or, or many, uh, much of the media, sorry, much of the, the international community has ignored over the last couple of years uh, or even over the last couple of decades. Um, and so suddenly this big, big issue blows up. And how do we cover it? How do we understand it? Uh, immediately people start talking about Sunni and Shia. And the assumption is, is immediately made that, in essence, this is much much as in other conflicts of the Middle East, this is simply another case of a sectarian conflict, black and white, one side against the other. Um, and it ties into the wider conflict and, and, you know, let's ignore the complexity of the situation. And, and it is far, far more complex than that. Um, so <clears throat> when, I mean, to, to put it, it's really to boil, boil down what the issue in Yemen is. This is about, um, uh, like you say, an, an ex-dictator who wishes to come back into power. So it's about power. It's about resources. Um, it's about legitimacy. And it's about regional identities, very strong regional identities. So that's one thing I'd, I think I'll, I, I guess I'll start from from uh, the idea of, 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 of Sun, or what Sunni and Shia identity in Yemen is. And I'm not a theologian, so I can't exactly go into the ins and outs of what Zaydi Shiism is and, and all that. But, but in essence, to really put it blunt, uh, to really kind of, I guess, uh, explain things very, very, very quickly, um, Zaydis are very close, close to Sunnis in Yemen. A lot of families are mixed, so uh, my own family is a perfect example of that. Um, they're, they're mixed between, between Zaydis and Sunnis. Um, and it was never, especially in urban areas, it was never particularly a problem. There was never any case of, um, there's no such thing, for example, in Yemen as, 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 a, as a, this is a, a mosque solely for Zaydis and this is a mosque solely for Sunnis. It was never, uh, never has been like that. And, um, and I, I even, you know, unless this conflict really drags on and it suddenly takes a sectarian identity, I don't think it will, uh, it will end up being like that. Now, the issue is the Houthis have emerged as this uh, uh, predominantly Zaydi Shia movement. Um, and they have brought their their kind of their this part of their identity to the forefront and, and made it very important. And this has then, on the other side, uh, been responded to by elements like Al Qaeda uh, from parts of the country where Zaydis aren't predominant, who are now using this um, and using the emergence of the Houthi movement in government to say 
well, look, this is a Shia movement that has come into power, so we must um, uh, defend the Sunnis and we must represent the Sunnis. Um, and that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but that's, that's the Al-Qaeda way, and that's, that's um, what, how they've been using the emergence of Houthis as propaganda, as a way to, to get uh, people on side. But, you know, when, when you really look at the crux of the matter, this isn't, isn't a sectarian issue. The problem is, is it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy where we keep on talking about sectarianism emerging and we keep on referring to things um, and referring to actors in Yemen by their sectarian identity. Um, and eventually people will start accepting that as reality. And, you know, on the ground, that may start becoming accepted as reality, especially if this conflict drags on. Um, but right now, if you go to a Yemeni and you ask them, uh, what are you? You know, the simple question of what are you? Uh, they will not answer, I am Sunni or I am Shia. They'll answer, I'm uh, a Houthi, I'm uh, a Herak, I'm GPC or I'm Islah, referring to Yemeni political parties. Or they'll refer to themselves uh, based on their regional identity. They might say, I'm a northerner, I'm a southerner, I'm from Sana'a, I'm from Taiz, I'm from Aden. Um, those are the primary identities in Yemen. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not the religious identities. And just now you alluded to maybe referring to themselves as a northerner or a southerner. And that's another thing we're hearing a lot, that this is becoming a war or conflict, we could say, between the north and the south. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on this. Well, it, it you know, quite clearly now um, does seem like that, especially in Aden, for example. So... The case, what's going on in Aden, Aden is the capital or the former capital of South Yemen and uh, Yemen's uh, most important port on the south. <clears throat> and Houthi forces and Salah forces are, are currently continuing their advance on Aden. They're continuing their attempts to take the city. They've been uh, attempting to take it now for a month. And the, they are seen as northern forces because the Houthis are from the north. Salah is from the north. And the southern argument, so when North and South Yemen united in 1990, uh, bearing in mind that South Yemen uh, was the uh, Arab world's only Marxist state prior to 1990, what happens after 1990 is this idea that, you know, Yemeni unification is a must and it's part of this, uh, the wider idea of Arab nationalism and Yemeni nationalism and that the two countries were separated by colonialism and now they must unite. So what happens is they do unite, but in effect, Ali Abdullah Saleh, the man who ruled North Yemen from 1977, uses it simply as an opportunity to take over the resources of the South. Um, in 1994, many of the Southern leaders, including uh, people like uh, Ali Salam al-Bil, who was a former uh, leader of South Yemen and who was the vice president of the United Yemeni state, decide enough's enough, we're going to separate. Uh, this leads to a civil war where the Northern forces under the command of Saleh and some Southerners who, who were Saleh supporters or who wished um, for unity to, to remain between the two, the two parts of Yemen, uh, defeated the separatists. This doesn't end the story, though. And what we see over the next uh, decade or so, the next 15 years, is this increased anger in the South and this increased, increased sense that their resources are being taken by the North. Much of Yemen's oil and gas is in the South, for example. Um, and they feel that this Northern elite has robbed the South and, and robbed them of their ability to really, you know, re-emerge as a, as a, as a nation that, that can, um, and a society that can advance. Um, 
the thing with the southern movement as it became known the southern separatist movement is that it was peaceful it remained so from its real emergence as a street protest movement it was from uh, in in 2007 it was a largely peaceful movement um and this has perhaps worked against them in yemen and and the the fact of the matter is they weren't united so there's numerous different factions in this movement who weren't a really able to get along together. A lot of them were discredited older politicians who'd been around since the 60s or 70s and were kind of uh, uh, legacies of, of the, the colonial struggle against the British in the 60s. And suddenly they were, they were emerging in 2011 when the whole Arab world was talking about uh, youth uprisings and things like that. And you suddenly had these old men uh, talking about, about southern separatism. So that didn't exactly work in their favor. They never really had international backing as well from the region or from uh, the wider international community for their cause. And they weren't strong militarily uh, because most of the Yemen's military power is concentrated in the north of the country. And also the tribal fighters in the north of the country are usually able to dominate other parts of the country. Um, but what we're seeing now is with uh, the the kind of the, the way the Houthis and Saleh have been able to suddenly take control once again of the north and of the remnants of, of the Yemeni state that exists in the north of the country, uh, there has been much sympathy now for the southerners and their cause, especially from, um, uh, well, especially in the south itself, I, I guess that most southerners actually do support uh, secession, but also from a lot of northerners now who are perhaps um, anti-Houthi. And uh, what's going on now in the south, for example, in Aden, Aden's being currently destroyed by Houthi uh, and Saleh forces um, who are indiscriminately shelling uh, uh, the city and, and killing civilians. So there's a lot of sympathy now for the southern cause. Um, and, I mean, from, from the perspective of regional actors, perhaps, I think if the southerners um, could have united around a leader who the Saudis could trust, the Saudis perhaps would actually support Southern Secession, but right now, uh, despite everything um, and, and all these factors that perhaps exist in the favour of the, of the South and the Southern cause, um, they haven't really been able to unite around, uh, around one leader. It's been more the idea of we're united against uh, the Houthis and Saleh rather than united together and, and able to use that strength to really force, force uh, secession. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, the Saudis are a huge part in this play, we could call it, if we're looking at it on a theater mm -hmm. perception. I mean, we've seen joint Saudi-Yemeni attacks on the Houthis in 2009. I, it's been called the 2009 war in um, Sada. And, you know, right now we're seeing the Saudi coalition-led airstrikes. So... What does this mean for the region in the sense that the Saudis are, are very Sunni? Um, that's, that's what they're backing here. Mm -hmm. So how is this going to play out with the neighboring countries as well? Because the Houthis are getting much more power, as you said. Yeah. Um, at a time, they almost look like they were victims of discrimination and marginalization. But looking at the current situation now, it seems like the tables have turned. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean for this situation? I think with regards to the, the Saudis, the Saudis have a long, long history in Yemen. Um, 
since uh, since the emergence of, of the Saudi state. Uh, for example, the south of Saudi Arabia, um, the southern provinces of Saudi Arabia were taken from Yemen in the 1930s. Um, so the two countries have a, 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 are very intertwined and have this long history uh, with each other. Um, as you mentioned, there was the war in 2009, and that was part of the six wars in the Saudis. Um, didn't do too well then. The Houthis uh, were able to perform quite well against the Saudis. Um, with regards to the, what this means now for the wider, the wider region and the Saudis themselves, I think the Saudis uh, really wanted to send a message to Iran. They wanted to tell the Iranians that, yes, you've been able to, um, to, to have the advantage over us in Iraq and in Syria and in Lebanon, but we won't allow this to happen in Yemen. That's that's the red line. That's the last. You know, this is the last straw. This is our backyard, and I think the Saudis decided they had to do something. They had to send this message to Iran. Funny enough, I I, I don't think this uh, comes from the. He is uh, this um, this Sunni state that, and their policy is purely. Uh, goes through their identity as as uh, as a Sunni power. I think this is uh, more to do with um, regional hegemony. So so you've got uh, countries that have historically been dominant in the region. So countries like Egypt, Saudi, uh, uh, Turkey, Iran, um, and Saudi Arabia, kind of over the last few decades. Um, and this kind of it goes back, I guess, to the Saudi uh, just a, a, a power struggle between um, Arabs and and Iranians in the region, and, and you see that. So it's much, I think it's much more to do with with the idea of Saudi uh, being this uh, perceiving itself as defending the Arab world against against Iran. Um, I think what I mean in terms of for the Iranians, I I actually don't think Yemen is. Um, at that same level of importance that countries like Syria and Iraq are, I think Yemen uh, for the Iranians, yes, it, it's it's um, you know if they do if the Houthis did manage to get control of Yemen on Saudi's southern border, they definitely wouldn't say no to that. Is a an ally and a potential um, a potential friendly government on 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 the southern border of, of one of uh, their uh, uh, their regional enemy. Um, yet having said that. Uh, it's it's a bonus for Iran if this happens. Their focus is on their immediate in, on their immediate neighbourhood and not on not not on far flung Yemen. Um, and if you look at, I've referred to Zaidi Zaidi Shias in in Yemen, and that's what the the, the Shia sect that exists in Yemen. The Zaidis aren't you know they're not from the same sect as uh, of Shiism as as Iranians are. And so there is this difference in in ideology that perhaps some people gloss over when they simply think of uh, of of of, of of the, the Houthis being Shia and, and the Iranians being Shia. It's a bit like looking at different, um, different elements of Protestantism and, and thinking them, them to be all the same. Um, so the, for the Iranians, the, the, kind of, the way the focus has been on Yemen as this, uh, and the way the Saudis and the, the rest of the Gulf have really focused on Yemen and said, look how you know, this is vastly important and this is, this is really important to our security. It's actually inflated the value of the card the Iranians uh, hold um, uh, when it when it comes to Yemen, now when the Iranians want to play their Yemen card in negotiations, um, it's suddenly become a much more much more important card to play. When perhaps for their um, from their own perspective, it actually isn't that important. Um, if if you kind of get what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get out there, um, so that's that's from the Iranian perspective. 
Um, and I think, um, I think by and large, this is what, what was going on in Yemen was an internal conflict, an internal conflict that has now gone international. Um, but I think, um, I think the, the, the after effects of this and, and, and what does happen in the next few years and what, the, the, the effects of, of what, what is going on right now will mainly be in, in Yemen itself. It will mainly, mainly have uh, an effect on, on Yemen itself. I think if, if Yemen does implode as a country because of what's happening now, then we might start to see, uh, or we will definitely see, um, the effects of that on, on the region. But I think primarily this is something that, that is going to affect uh, Yemen and Yemenis rather than, rather than the wider region. And looking at some of the other actors involved in this, as you said, um, we have AQAP that has been in the region. Um, but do you think this is going to bolster their power or their influence in the country? Um, for instance, if this does progress into even more of a secretarian issue, I mean, do you think you'll see Sunni civilians almost looking at AQAP, even though they don't necessarily have any affiliation to the group, but looking that at to them as an opposition to the Houthis and and this idea of a, um, a you know a Shiite takeover almost or, or resistance to the Houthis? I mean, could we see instances like this happening? And do you think this is going to help AQAP since the region is very unstable? Yeah, I think um, so. There's a lot of maps going around um, that. Uh, seek to 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 show the, the the kind of power different groups have in Yemen, and these maps will often show AQAP either in control or or having a presence in pretty much half of the country, half of Yemen, or three quarters of Yemen, or, or something like that. And, and that doesn't really uh, reflect the true reality on the ground. Um, AQAP is one of a number of of militia and armed groups in Yemen. Um, it does have a certain ability. It is qu- quite good on the, on the, on the battleground and, and has proven itself to be fairly effective when it, when it has fought the Houthis um, and the Yemeni, Yemeni states um, at times over the last couple of years. But to say that they have, you know, this, this ability to just roam freely across, across Yemen is, is incorrect. And, and it, it, it kind of ignores the way the, the kind of the tribal nature of Yemeni society, and perhaps that, um, say, if uh, a couple of AQ members are are, are around in a, in a town in Yemen somewhere, um, they may have been granted access to that town not because they're Al Qaeda fighters, but because they're from uh, perhaps the same tribe as uh, as other people in that town are, and so the tribal uh, affinity, the tribal kinship, is stronger than uh, than the the kind of the political or or ideological or religious kinship. Um, so that's that's one I think one caveat and one thing uh, I feel is very important to, to point out. Having said that, um, it's quite clear that over the last couple of weeks, especially AQAP, have really been able to to um, to strengthen and really been able to flex their muscles on the ground. Um, so with the recent takeover or effective takeover of Mukalla, which is one of Yemen's biggest uh, biggest uh, cities and one of the one of the country's busiest ports. Um, uh, that really has brought the the issue of AQAP once again to the to the forefront in the country. Um, as you've said, the 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 emergence of the Houthis and um, and again of Ali Abdullah Saleh uh, has pushed a lot of people, or especially in these tribal areas, 
to the 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 not necessarily to the AQAP cause, but has made them more willing to accept AQAP as allies in the fight. Now you've got to remember for Yemenis and and in Yemen itself, as I've as I've I've said a couple of times now, AQAP are just another another armed group in the country. Yeah, they're considered extremists by the majority of the country, and they're 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 not their ideology ideology isn't considered particularly attractive. Um, but for a lot of Yemenis right now, especially in areas of the country that are uh, that are currently facing this healthy advance and this healthy Saleh advance, um, they see the real threat as coming from from the Houthi the Houthis and Ali Abdullah Saleh, not from AQAP. And they're much more willing to say, "Well, look, for now, the enemy, the en- uh, of my enemy is my friend, and I'm willing. We're willing to fight fight with these guys who who have come to to defend us against the Houthis." Um, you've also got to remember that the I've, I've mentioned, I think, the Islah Party once already today, but the, the Islah Party um, was one of Yemen's strongest political parties, and uh, it reflects, um, it's, I mean, if we were being quite simplistic, I'd say it's the Yemeni Muslim Brotherhood, um, but it's kind of this amalgamation of, of various uh, different uh, Islamist political forces and tribal political forces in, in Yemen. Um, they, with the uh, the Houthi advance into the capital Sana'a in, in, in September, uh, the Islah party was really, really heavily weakened. Um, and so now with the, the continued Houthi advance across the country, the Islah haven't been able to to portray themselves or to uh, to uh, portray themselves as the effective defenders of, of Sunni Muslims in Yemen um, or of southerners or of uh, areas of, of, of eastern Yemen that are resisting the Houthi advance. Um, and the people who've been able to step into that vacuum uh, of representing Sunni Islamism, shall we say, uh, have been AQAP. They've been able to to, to take advantage of the, the weakness of Islah and say, well, look, the Islah way hasn't worked. They tried to talk to the Houthis for a number of years and that wasn't working. Um, the only way to do this is to fight them. Um, and so, yes, I think if this does drag on and if this does continue to um, uh, the conflict does continue, then we will see uh, a growth um, in, in, in support and in strength for, for Al-Qaeda. Um, and, and, you know, it will be all guesswork to say what, what effect that will have on the international, uh, on the international community and on the wider world. Um, but it, it is potentially quite worrying. The other thing that we're beginning to hear reports on is this idea of a presence of ISIS, so Islamic State, whatever you want to call them nowadays, in Yemen. What are your thoughts on this? Um, well, I mean, when so AKP is definitely the, the, the dominant group in Yemen when it comes to uh, when it comes to let's say that that wing of uh, of uh, of Islamist um, of Islamist thought. Um, what we have seen over the last couple of months is this emergence of an ISIS trend in Yemen. Not a particularly strong one and not a particularly powerful one, not a particularly numerous one. But I guess when so AQAP mainly focused on on uh, attacks against the West and the occasional uh, the occasional attack against the Yemeni government. They weren't particularly um, successful in taking land because that wasn't really what they were looking at doing. So in 2011 they did try and they did take some land in, in the South, taking advantage of the anarchy that existed in 2011 with the the the, the car uprising that was going on at the time, um, but eventually they had to pull out of that, and they weren't particularly successful in holding on holding on to territory. Now, ISIS in in Syria and Iraq 
have shown the rest of the world that they do have the ability to take over. They that they are setting up this state that they are shifting the whole balance of the Middle East to all these kind of the borders that were drawn by the West. This is you know the thinking that that some of these people have the idea that these borders, these fake borders, they this group has 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 become powerful enough to emerge and uh, and to and to, to force the West. Um, and to force regional governments uh, to to, um, uh, to 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 have to have them in their midst, um, and so you have some people who, especially from the middle ranks and the lower ranks in Yemen, uh, from AQAP, who are looking towards Syria and Iraq and saying, "Well, look, they're the ones on the up; they're the ones on the rise. Um, what are we doing here? We're simply just, you know, as I said, another militia force. Uh, let's join them." Um, and and that has uh, has you know the start we're starting to see that we're starting to see that in yemen um aqap have have moved several several times um over the last couple of months to release statements um against isis and saying initially it was things like you know isis are our muslim brothers but uh but you know they are wrong in this this and this uh, they are wrong in their call for the caliphate they are wrong in 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 fighting uh al-nusra in syria um but now it's 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 as time's gone on, they've become much more vocal in their criticism of of of, of ISIS, um, and so they've even done things like uh, um, they they've uh, released videos opposing beheadings on camera. So uh, which obviously ISIS has uh, become quite famous for this uh, this these quite gruesome videos of beheadings and executions. So Al Qaeda released a video saying, "No, this is wrong. This isn't something we do." Um, and and they really have tried to distance themselves from from ISIS. Um, I think the first really big, uh, really big uh, bombing that, that ISIS have claimed was that of the the two mosques in Sanaa um, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, that just before just before the airstrikes began, and um, that was interesting to note in that Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula were very quick to say this isn't us. Um, because it does, in a way, go against the methods of Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula in general. Um, whilst they 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 have attacked civilian targets in the past, and civilians have died, notably in the attack on the Ministry of Defence hospital uh, in in uh, around a year and a half ago. Now I think um, the 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 they have generally tried tried to avoid that for PR purposes. And also the idea in their own theology and in their own ideology that you you don't attack um, you don't attack Shia civilians. You only attack those who have uh, uh, weapons from the Shia. ISIS don't have that any of that. They 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 have no qualms when it comes to uh, to attacking uh, uh, what they perceive to be Shia civilians. Um, and and so the, the the mosque attack does seem to have the ISIS stamp on it rather than uh, the AQAP stamp. And um, and so we could start to see these 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 uh, these um, these attacks from ISIS. Uh, but I think really the dominant force on the ground when it comes to um, when it comes to 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 Islamic militancy in in Yemen is AQAP and not and not ISIS. Something you mentioned earlier in the talk, which I think is important to touch on, is the idea of this region being rich with resources, as well as access to resources. So Yemen has a major waterway that a lot of the world's oil goes through. So looking at this and the current situation, how is this going to affect 
the broader scope of things? Well, um, I mean, the, the, the major, I think, importance, as you mentioned, is Yemen's location. So it sits on, on, on the Bab al-Mandab, which is the entrance to the Red Sea. Um, one of the, the, the most important shipping routes in the world uh, connecting, you know, so the other entrance to the Red Sea is obviously the Suez Canal, and there you have the rest of the world's markets uh, from, from there onwards. Um, so if you, we do see prolonged conflict in Yemen, you remember the other side of the Red Sea, uh, of Bab al-Mandeb, is places like Somalia and Djibouti, uh, Djibouti being quite stable, but Somalia obviously not being quite stable at all. So if you have on one side Somalia and on one side Yemen, um, if you think about issues like piracy and, and, and things like that, um, only coming from one side, imagine if it's from the other side as well. Um, so that's, that's, I think, one thing to look at. I think the other thing is that we have a humanitarian disaster on the cards in Yemen. Um, so the country's already faced a blockade for a, a, a month now. Um, food prices are going up. Uh, you know, if 90% of Yemen's uh, wheat is imported, for example, 100% of the rice is imported. Um, fuel, uh, people can't find fuel. There's massive blackouts across the country. Uh, already before this crisis even, even started, 50% of Yemenis are malnourished. Um, Mm-hmm. And you have a vastly, um, a rapidly increasing population, a rapidly growing population. So currently it's 25 million officially. Um, it's projected to double, I think, in, in 20 or 30 years. Um, and that can only mean trouble for the neighbors. Um, so you have these very rich countries uh, in, in the neighborhood. So the, the irony of Saudi Arabia being the richest Arab country and Yemen being the poorest Arab country, and, and they're on each other's doorstep. Um, and that will be, you know, if, if there is further conflict in Yemen, uh, with this rapidly increasing population, with the dwindling number, uh, dwindling resources, uh, water is running out in places like the capital, uh, Sana'a, uh, we could start seeing, refu- you know, massive flows of refugees leaving the country. Um, we're already seeing contingency plans uh, being put, uh, being uh, implemented in, 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 um, in Somalia and in Djibouti by the UN. Uh, to accommodate Yemeni refugees, so they already have contingency plans for thirty thousand refugees in Djibouti and a hundred thousand in Somalia. Um, they they won't simply go to Somalia and Djibouti. They'll be looking at places like Saudi Arabia. They'll be looking at Oman. Uh, people will want to flee the country eventually if this if this country collapses, um, and if we do see a collapse of Yemen, that will have severe knock on effects for the for the for the neighbors. And you mentioned maybe refugees potentially seeking refuge in in Saudi Arabia. And the only thing that makes me wonder about that is we do have these coalition-led airstrikes that Saudi is, of course, leading. And there was a report about the last three three weeks of these airstrikes. The UN reported that over 600 people had been killed. And um, about half of these were civilians, 74 were children. How is this going to affect the perception of Yemen's neighbor, Saudi Arabia, in the general uh, civilian of Yemen? This is definitely not going to make them feel warm and fuzzy. No, it isn't at all. I mean, look, Saudi Arabia, um, how do I put it? Saudi Arabia has never been particularly popular in Yemen. Uh, Yemenis don't need much of an excuse uh, to to have a go at Saudi Arabia. the kind of the, the the links between the two countries and the history between the two countries, um, things haven't gone quite well for Yemen. Yemen hasn't done 
to well out of its relationship with Saudi Arabia. There's a perception in Yemen that Saudi always wants to keep Yemen down, that Saudi is scared of Yemen and its emergence as a potential challenger on the Arabian Peninsula. Um, with these bomb, uh, with these airstrikes, um, especially in the north of the country, there is growing anger at Saudi Arabia. There is massive anger at Saudi Arabia. You watch the aftermath of airstrikes and they're cursing Saudi Arabia. That's not to say, though, that that's reflective of the whole country. If you look at the south and places uh, like Aden that are currently being, as I've said, attacked by the Houthis and Ali Abdullah Saleh, a lot of the, the south see the Saudis as, as defending them and see them as, as uh, stepping in and stopping the Houthi Saleh advance. Um, and so there's, you know, you'll see uh, people waving the Saudi flag and things like that. So there is a real split in the country between, between the support um, support for Saudi or opposition to Saudi. But by and large, Saudi Arabia aren't, isn't particularly popular, popular in the country. Now, if we're talking and linking that to the refugee issue, though, um, I don't think that will have much of an effect. Um, I think uh, uh, Yemenis will be willing to hold their noses and, uh, and, and go and seek refuge in Saudi Arabia if they think they'll, they'll have a better life or they're escaping from, from, from death in Yemen. I don't think they'll be too fussed um, about their own personal preference for, for, for Saudi Arabia or their personal, um, uh, the, the way they, they, they look at Saudis. Um, but, um, but I think, uh, yeah, the, 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 anger, the anger is growing in Yemen. The anger is growing in Yemen uh, towards Saudi Arabia. Um, and, and I think it will be difficult to, to, to really resolve the issues that are emerging, not just, so not just the anger that a lot of northerners have towards Saudi Arabia, but a lot of the ang- anger that southerners now have towards the north. Um, this was the last straw. What's going on now in Aden was the last straw for a lot of southerners um, with the north. And um, you really worry for the social makeup of the country and uh, the hatred, the real, real hatred that now exists um, in many parts of the country for other parts of, for, you know, other parts of the country. So in conclusion, I'm going to drop a big set of questions. What I want to know is what does this current crisis in Yemen bode for the future of the country as well as the stability of the region? Uh, that's a very big question. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> End with a bang, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, there's one thing that I've learned following Yemen. It's to... Uh, not put concrete predictions out uh, because they usually come to bite you, uh, bite you back. Um, the country is very hard, very hard to understand, and very hard to, to figure out what could happen. Saleh, just as a player himself, has has come back from from the death so often that that you know you really can't write him off as a person and as a powerful player in Yemen. Um, the issue I see right now is that I feel the Saudis have miscalculated and I feel they've miscalculated badly. I think they were under the idea that they would start these airstrikes, that they would manage to push the Houthis and Saleh back and then force them to a negotiation table, twist their arm and basically force them to agree um, to, to, to the return of Hadi and uh, to accept that they won't be that they won't be running the show, um, and that's not happened. So, despite these airstrikes, the Houthis and Saleh have managed to continue advance their advance across the country. They've managed to continue their, their advance across to the east, and they've managed in the south as well. So, that's not working. So, how what do they do? They need they need guys on the ground. 
Now, the issue with guys on the ground is they are currently destroying the Yemeni military. So if you were looking to, to say, okay, uh, we're trying to get Hadi back into power in, in Yemen, and he's going to be using his country's military to defeat uh, the Houthis and Saleh. Well, actually, Saleh has been in control of most of the Yemeni military uh, since 2011. Uh, they've remained loyal to him. And so what we're seeing now is most of these airstrikes are actually targeting Yemeni army bases and Yemeni air bases and, and, and the Yemeni military. And that's what's being destroyed right now. So you don't have the military. Um, the next step is to look at actors on the ground in Yemen. So uh, you'd be looking at local actors who'd be able to take on the Saleh and, uh, and the Houthis. The problem there is, is they've proven themselves. So if we're looking at tribes or militias or things like that, they've proven themselves to be unreliable. Uh, so many have been bought off by Saleh in the past. And that's how just before the airstrikes, when the Houthi Saleh forces were on the verge of taking Aden, that was purely because loads of those tribes in the south simply uh, let the Houthis and Saleh pass. Um, so you've got the issues of reliability. You've got inherent weakness on the part of most of these forces. They're not strong enough to take on the Houthis and Saleh. And uh, the third issue is um, um, is that they, these forces can't represent a united country. They can't represent the whole of Yemen. They will always represent narrow regional uh, interests and identities. So you have to wipe that off the card. And then the only other option, really, is a ground invasion on the part of a foreign uh, foreign force. So you'd be looking at the Saudis, the Egyptians. And that hasn't gone well in the past for, for foreign foreign invaders in Yemen. Yemen, they don't do too well. The Egyptians had a very bad experience in Yemen in the 1960s. Um, and the Turks haven't had a particularly good history in Yemen. They still sing sad songs about, about uh, soldiers who never returned from Yemen. So... That that wouldn't look too good for for the Saudis anyway, and perhaps you'd be looking at them invading through the south or landing in the south and then securing the south. Uh, but even then, there's unless they're willing to risk uh, to to lose a lot of men, um, they can't land in the south by now. So the the question now is is what does that leave? And I don't see how any of the forces on the table will be willing to compromise. The Houthis won't be at the moment. It, this is playing up to their whole idea that they are, are, are fa defending Yemen against foreign invaders. This, this plays up to their, their support base. Uh, Ali Abdullah Saleh will be looking, I'm sure, for any way to ensure that he and his group remain powerful. Um, and I'm sure he'll be willing to ditch the Houthis um, uh, very quickly if, he's, if he has assurances that his position will remain. Um, but it's, it, at the moment, the Saudis are... are, are, are making it clear that they won't be making any deals with Saleh. Um, so so I, I, it, on, on the Yemeni front and what happens in Yemen itself, um, I unfortunately don't see much apart from prolonged conflict. Uh, like I say, even if there is a negotiated settlement in the next couple of uh, weeks or months, I don't see that lasting. Um, and I, 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 I find it hard to see once this ends eventually um, a united uh, or the same Yemen, the same united Yemen uh, emerging in, in, in the future. I find it very difficult to see that. Um, and then if Yemen does disintegrate um, into the a minimum of two states, uh, then that does have a knock-on effect in the wider region. You suddenly have changed the whole geopolitical landscape of the region. Um, so so yes, whatever, whatever does happen, and I'm not going to 
I'm not going to um, exactly specify, you know, one thing or the other there. Um, I, I see it in general being quite negative and I see it definitely having an effect uh, on, on the wider region. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Abu Bakr, and describing this, as you put it, very complicated situation. And after listening to all this, it's it's quite dismal, a uh, quite dismal outlook for the country, unfortunately. But thank you for coming on and lending your expertise on this country. That's also your country. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.